Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Dana Grindle. Welcome, Dana. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we have a thank you. We have a thank you and a shout out to the wonderful Steve Bustin for introducing us. It's always fantastic to have a recommendation. So thank you, Steve. Yay. Thank you, Steve. You're the best. And I think also Sue Richardson endorsed this yeah. getting together as well. Yes, we've all been in a, a group together, learning and being challenged with one another to be better speakers, which is an amazing leadership by Steve. So yes, we've all been friends and, and partners on the journey for sure. I will give Steve a shout out because he runs in a fantastic mastermind called Critique Club. And if you want to get better at speaking, 100%, go check him out. I'll put a link in the show notes as well, because it is a fantastic course that he takes you through. Truly. Brilliant. Right. Enough of Steve. He's had enough shout outs. (laughs) Let's talk about you, Dana. What is it that you're doing at the moment? Thank you so much, Amy. I am got quite a bit going on in the time that we have moved to England, actually just a couple years, published my first book called Healing from the Heart, uh, have a really online ministry at this point, doing some online classes. And my ministry partner and I are, are building out a school uh, called Teaching Fellowship Institute uh, to help equip people who work with others in how to handle trauma and emotional injuries, just emotional healing, really, uh, emotional healing, and suicidal, um, helping train people on how to walk with others who are considering suicide and how to prevent that. So lots of really amazing content that we've been, that's really kind of been my season is creating content. Um, So speaking, uh, also doing a podcast uh, with a friend in the U.S. called Fearless and Free, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Uh, which is a holistic uh, approach to healing. Yeah, those, those, then I do meet with people one-on-one. I do have some clients that I meet with from the U.S. um, And yeah, just walking with people in their own journeys. So healing from the heart. Is there any other way to heal? No, I tried the other ways. It didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work. Yeah, the the book Healing from the Heart really is is my focus. It really is it, it is the content of my purpose. It's my own story um, of healing where I had a physical injury and I, I started off trying the normal routes and it was not, you know, the quick fix. You just want the pill, the the adjustment, the procedure, just get me back on my feet and out there running full speed. And that was not my journey. That was not an option. But what I learned in that journey was that what I really needed was healing in the heart, the way I did life, the way I saw myself, the way I saw others and expectations. And so It was the physical injury itself that actually brought a season of 
emotional and mental healing, spiritual healing for me. And that totally reset me, brought me back into alignment, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally and really uh, focusing on who I really am. And I couldn't do it all, but I was called to do some things and to do those things better and more focused. And I'm curious to find out, do you think that the physical injury manifested because you needed the other healing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In my journey, I, I share this more in detail in the book, but I had a I had a physical injury when I was younger. And like many of those injuries that we have, we dust ourselves off. We just, we get going. Like I said, we try to get over it as quick as possible. You know, we're, we're a very speedy society these days and we just move right over it. And at the time I didn't think it was that serious. I was young. I just kept going. Then later on when, um, I continued the same behaviors, um, a lot of the same patterns, and those increased. um, Those were just injuring me more and more over time. And so it really did bring forward. It brought to the surface the way that I was living, that kind of tension that I was living in brought to the surface this injury that was already there and needed. That's what really was needing attention. So step through what happened in terms of you had your injury when you were young and then how has that become the focus and the content of the purpose what are, what were the pieces in between yeah that's really good so so when i teach when i talk about healing it's not about what's happened to you it's about how you responded to what's happened to you you know we can, we can all go through us the same car accident the same you know fire the same incident and people will respond differently we respond differently based on past experience we respond based differently based on our personality uh, by our, our beliefs you know all of these things come together um, if you're a parent and you have multiple children you know this about your kids they all live in the same house and they all respond differently to you know the announcement of what you know dinner is or it, it just you know just so unique right we're so unique, which is a beautiful gift. It really is. But it means that our healing is much more complicated than just a formula, just a kind of band-aid or one pill fixes it all. So my journey in that um, in that season where I had that initial injury and it was long gone, you know, it was gone from my mind, thoughts gone, I'm better, no problem. Thought I was very strong and healthy, really kind of prided myself at that time in life. I thought I was really fit, really healthy, running all the time, pushing the jog controller, doing all the, the mom things, you know, doing it all. That was kind of my phrase, do it all. I even took a Bible verse totally out of context that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I believed I was supposed to do it all. Like I truly believe that. So I'm, I'm, nonstop. I'm volunteering everywhere. At that point, I wasn't working outside of the home, but I was, I was, I had no boundaries. I was working constantly volunteering, serving in every community group, every child's group, every sports team, everything there was, you know, I was, I was the favorite volunteer (laughs) and I was just going nonstop. And literally uh, I started having a a discomfort. You know, my back kind of started hurting a little bit. Uh, after a trip and it just kind of felt like this catch it felt like you're trying to pop your back and it just wouldn't pop and after a couple days of that I thought okay I'm gonna have to make time for me which was not in my vocabulary at that space Uh, make time I'm gonna have to make an appointment or do something so 
um, I go to uh, a recommendation. A family member recommends that I go to their massage person. I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't get an x-ray. I didn't go to anyone professional of any kind because it couldn't be serious. You know, I couldn't, my mind was just get it done quick. Right. So I go to this massage person uh, who did work for a chiropractor and, you know, he does a quick assessment, no x-ray and just says, yeah, you've got quite a big knot here. Let me get that out for you. And he spent about 30 minutes working on this knot that was in between my shoulder blades near my spine. And I did leave there feeling better, but weird. You know, my arm was limp. I felt weak and dizzy, just really out of sorts. But just thought he's like, yeah, you know, they tell you when you get a massage, you're going to feel foggy. Your brain's going to be a little foggy. Drink water, get some good rest and you'll be fine. So I didn't think any different. I went to bed that night, normal, stayed up late, you know, doing projects. And I woke up in the middle of the night with excruciating muscle spasms. Just I didn't know what was happening. And I was terrified. I think I was as terrified of the pain and what was happening, you know, emotionally, the unknown of what was happening as I was the physical pain, which was more pain than I had ever been in. Up to that point, like I said, I considered myself very healthy, very fit, you know, would never have gone looking for any kind of help because I didn't think I needed it. Um, but in that moment, I was just, I was just terrified. And after some time, the only th- I figured out one position, I could sit in the corner of a wing back chair and that I could catch my breath because I couldn't even breathe, couldn't even take that deep breath. The pain, you know, was so severe and the spasm so severe. And so I just sat all night and my husband did what he could. Um, I didn't want to go to the emergency room and scare the kids. And so I just sat there until the morning and that began this journey of healing, you know, going to uh, the orthopedic spine doctor was the first person I could get into. And they start talking about surgery. They start talking about medicines. They, um, I mean, he was confident. He said, well, you can, you could try this or that, you know, but you'll be back to see me. You're definitely going to need surgery. And he spoke that to me right then, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm in my early thirties and the whole thing, you know, to go to bed and feel normal, not have any kind of accident that you're aware of, and then just wake up with this news. It was the whole thing was just really shocking. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of, I went home still in pain with no answers and really just scared of what was going to be next. So I called my mom as you would do and just kind of told her what was going on. And, um, she began to research and look for things, you know, and she said, uh, my mom's a very patient and, and, uh, wise and said, let's look for other options. You know, surgery is always there, but once you've done it, it's done, you know? And, um, as I started researching, I did not find, I personally at that point, and I'm sure that's not universally, but for me at that time, I didn't find anyone that had had neck surgery that was pain-free. So I thought, well, if that's not the fix, if that's not going to be this quick fix that I'm looking for, I need to look for other options. So it began this journey that I talk about in the book. Uh, Each chapter kind of talks about this journey of unfolding the pieces of what I needed And some of it was massage. Some of it was just the, all of these horrible knots and tension that were there that had not been released, had not been let go. All this tension that I was holding in, I I wasn't living in a space where I rested, uh, where I made time for rest, especially for me as the mom. 
I didn't make that a priority in any way. And I wasn't stretching well. I wasn't balanced in the way I was living. And I really kind of liken that stretching to, to the balance, you know, if we're, if we're always living and working in this place where we're building more and more tension and we never pause and stretch and rest, that physically is what resets our muscles, you know, is to make time for those stretches and, um, anyone who's done any kind of running or athletic know how important the stretches are. And that was something I had started skipping to make more time, you know, for the doing. I wasn't very good at being, I was really good at doing, not so good at being. So from that point of the injury, I found that while I was on this journey of getting information on how to get well, I found myself sitting a lot. And I was, I was thankfully in this space where, or, or place, I should say, where, you know, I could, um, took the muscle relaxer so I could, you know, sleep Then I could get up in the morning and I could do a little bit to get ready. And then I would have to rest my arms. You know, my injury was really, um, turns out it was herniated disc uh, or in my neck, my lower neck, C6 and C7. So I could do a little bit, then I'd have to rest my arms and I could do a little more. And then I had to rest and do a little more. So completely changed the way I was doing life all these little rests were built in, all these little breaks. Um, and little by little, I learned stretches that helped me. And I was doing, making time to do those all day. And it really became a part-time job for me to get well. And I was now making all this time for healing that I didn't make before. So if, if we don't, this is actually, you know, a, a statement in the book, if we don't make time for health today, we will make time for illness later. And it's really interesting because you said that you completely changed how you were doing life. And again, it's still that doing, you know, what about the being? How about being life? When did that start for you? It started, it started in that time. It started in the chair, um, you know, being a Christian, being a minister. Um, at that point, I was, I was leading prayer, prayer groups for schools, prayer group in our church. And so you know, I knew about praying, but even that wasn't doing, it wasn't a very good listener. I wasn't a very good listener. Then I was really good at, um, talking, <laughs> um, you know, telling the kid, do these things this is what we're going to do, getting things done. And even when I talked to God, it was, it was a to do, you know, it's, can you do this? And can you fix that for these kids? <laughs> and, you know, it was a to-do list, honestly. And I wouldn't have said it that way, but that's what it, that's how it was. It wasn't a relationship, wasn't a very good listener. So I had a bit of time, um, a lot of time sitting, the kids would get to school um, early on, people had to drive them and do that. I couldn't drive. So I had a lot of time sitting by myself, all the volunteer things went away. And, and I, I call it my time in the chair. In that same wing back chair, I would sit and, um, you know, read or, you know, pray was, um, you know, still had some things I could do a little bit electronically, although back then we didn't do a lot with the texting. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of quiet time and really to catch up with my thoughts. And what I noticed, the most significant thing I noticed in that time in the chair that even though my body was physically still, even though my to-do list was all taken away because I couldn't do it. So other people were doing the grocery, other people were doing all the things. My mind was going, my mind was racing. It's my mind was going as fast as my body used to go. And that was my first clue that I needed 
that I needed to do things differently. That was my first clue that something was going on on the inside that was perpetuating the outside and that the, even though my, my back, my physical body did need adjustment, it was because of being so out of alignment on the inside and these racing thoughts of just, I have to be productive. I have to be doing, I have to perform, right? Perform well, you know, perform well as a mom, perform well as a wife, perform well. I just took it, took it all on myself. No one told me that. It was just these undercurrents that I had picked up and lived that way. So the thing about performing and striving and having to do it all, often we don't know that we need healing in that area because the world rewards that. If you're, if you're doing that as a, in, for your boss or at the church or in the, the schools, uh, the clubs, the women's group, whatever that looks like, uh, people reward that. Oh, you're so great. You're amazing at getting things done. And you're the first one they call for the next job that needs to be done, which is kind of where I was at that point. And so it just, it perpetuates and it becomes this snowball that's out of control. And, and in, in my case, it was controlling me. The, the performing and the doing was controlling me. I didn't have good boundaries at that time. I didn't have a good understanding of how, how to put boundaries for me and and be healthy for me and what I really needed in that. I thought that the doing for everyone else was right, but that really was out of alignment because I can't, if we do for everyone else and we give it all away, we're drained. We have, we're just going to be running out of energy. We're going to be drained or we're going to end up injured, injured as I was or ill, um, you know, in that lifestyle. So it was in that place that I really learned I needed to reset my mindset and learn to just be, just be with God, just uh, be with myself and accept, you know, who I was and what my family needed, you know, and in not just doing for them, but being with them, you know, um, act, you know, being really present with them, connecting with them, uh, not just getting all the tasks done. But really hearing my kids' hearts, you know, at this point, they were older. They weren't babies anymore. So they, they're little people. They have thoughts and emotions and feelings and, you know, really connecting deeply with them. I, I wasn't making that kind of space for them because there was always so much to be done. And it's so true. I remember back in episode 180, a lady called Ruth Fogg talks about what the mind suppresses the body expresses and she talks about the eliminating of stress and where we're going with this conversation here Dana is very much a case of it's so easy to get swept along in other people's lives that you forget to live your own absolutely absolutely it is so easy to do that and it feels it feels like it's the right thing to do and certainly it is to care for other people is is important but if we don't make that space to balance and care for ourselves, we can very quickly be out of control. We can very quickly have our own injuries happening along the way, own things that need attention, and and we're not we're not getting well. We're just we're we're walking around injured. We're serving others injured, um, and those those injuries will have an increasing effect in our own life and relationship over time. Those don't just go away and they don't even stay. Like in that moment when you got that injury 
and the way you responded, maybe, you know, consider that maybe it was like a level one or two, but over time, if we don't deal with it and we don't make that space to heal and, and talk about what we're hurting with or a loss that we had, then those responses will get higher intensity over time. Yeah. So tell me the purpose piece and being focused on it. So not just understanding what it is, but how you can establish the boundaries and not get overly excited about bringing out the purpose in the world with, which which, there's nothing wrong with being overly excited, but to the detriment of your own health. Yes. Yes. Uh, So what I, what I learned and really where purpose comes for me in this is to be a voice for inner healing. um, To I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I needed healing. I didn't know that it could be better. I didn't know at the time that I could be more fulfilled and more peaceful and a better mom and a better volunteer and a better wife and a better all of those things if I put the boundaries, if I slowed down, if I made time for rest and made time for the healing, made time for for myself in that way. I mean, people use the word self-care and 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 that completely would fit, you know, not just not just the bath, but you know, where you're really making space to process your thoughts, process your emotions, um, talking with someone close to you. Um, that was my heart in writing the book. I wrote it really very simply. I wrote it for people who were hurting to be able to process easily. And it's got a little bit of kind of a storytelling and this is what I went through. And then it connects to you and to your journey. And how can you relate? Can you relate to racing thoughts? Can you relate to a time when everything changed? And so creating a space where people could connect with their own heart and process and and begin to process maybe for the first time, some of those things that they've been ignoring or, or stuffing down. So being that voice for inner healing, encouraging them that that you can heal and you don't have to just survive. You don't have to just live in this, um, in this walking wounded state, um, but that you can truly find healing and that that will bring out, that will bring you the very fulfillment that you're looking for. When we do that healing work, it improves all of our relationships. It improves all of our relationships and a piece that goes with healing is really knowing your value. And sometimes sometimes we don't make the time because we don't think we have value or we don't, we don't really recognize the value that we really have and what we really have to offer um, and how to protect that and nurture it and make space for it to grow and heal and all of these pieces that are so important. So making a space for inner healing, being a, being a voice for inner healing, creating resources for people to help process and do that inner healing, heal, you know, heal from those deeper injuries, those things that happened in the past that we so often don't either make time for, or we don't have time. Sometimes when things happen, especially if it's a loss of a loved one, a death in the family, things happen so quickly, we don't have time to process. But if we don't ever make the time for that, then it it doesn't go away and it it will still come up um, and that hurt will still be there. Um, so I'm really passionate and find great purpose in wanting people to know just how, even how to 
begin that process, how to release some of that in a safe way, how to know when, you know, when you need to talk to someone else, you know, your pastor, your minister, a counselor, a close trusted friend, you know, bringing other people into these conversations and just tools to help you recognize that, that process. And it's, it's interesting that you're talking about processing thoughts and emotions and, and what I'm hearing is it's not necessarily the thoughts, but it's the attachments to the thoughts that we have the issues with that causes any suffering and that we're looking to, to sort of attaching to a thought means that then we believe it to be true, but without the inquiry process and without sort of really understanding what it is, we can let go of a lot of things. We can. Yes. Yes. It is the thoughts. And it's, it's also, if we don't process the thoughts, sometimes, sometimes something that happened is it's, it, it's truly so painful. It truly is. And I'm not minimizing pain at all to say that, but sometimes it is just truly so painful. Often I hear people that I work with just say, I just don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. So then what happens is they don't. And they start looking for other ways to escape, other ways to numb the pain, other ways to avoid the pain, deny the pain. And all of these structures that we add on, all these kind of their self-defense systems, you know, their survival tools, um, they're okay in the moment. But if we don't ever unpack those, then all of those things that we put there to protect ourselves because we just don't, you know, it's almost like this sore spot, like don't step on this part of my heart. It's just going to hurt too much. So I put up all these walls and barriers so you don't get close to that, but walls are walls and walls keep you from connecting deeply to the very people in your close relationships or new relationships that could bring that healing that you need. So tell me, Dana, the book, the work you're doing as a, as a minister and the podcast, what is it that that connects you to your audience the most or, or which, which of those vehicles, or is it a combination of all of them? Mm, that's a great question. Um, it's really, it, I love the one-on-one. I, I wish that I could just talk one-on-one with people all the time. That's honestly my most comfortable space is to be in a room with another person or maybe a small group. Um, you know, I love to teach about these principles and teach people to do ministry from the heart level, the way that I've been trained. I love to teach it and I love to share it and I love to give them a space to share and to learn to do that with each other. Um, so that that personal space is my favorite. COVID has taught us to use the electronic space and definitely pushed me out of the nest from where I was comfortable. Um, but, you know, back before COVID, we didn't. I personally, we didn't do any counseling or, you know, prayer ministry um, over electronics. It was all about the personal connection so that you can really read people's body language and just really be present with them. But we've all gotten more comfortable with that space. And so electronically doing classes works well. I still prefer the live class. I still prefer looking at people's faces and seeing everyone together. Um, but sharing information, sharing tools is a secondary uh, way to just help 
help give people some resources, again, uh, you know, tools in their toolkit to process and recognize, hey, maybe I do have something there that's worth, you know, and, and this is how it can look. Um, there's something worth processing. Uh, I do have value to give, and this is blocking me, you know, this this response or this um, injury, past injury is, is keeping me from really moving forward freely. So sometimes just the conversation helps us to, to know, wow, yeah, that, that did kind of hit something for me. I think I do have something there that's worth exploring and healing. So being a voice for inner healing, what's the mission? Mm, so good. The voice for inner healing mission, the mission is to see you be each person who you, everyone who hears this, to see you be who you're designed to be to see you using your gifts, to see you knowing your value. Everyone has value. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has something to offer the world. No one, no one is born without that. We all have something and your gifts might not look like the other people in your family, or they might not look like your siblings or the people around you. And, um, but everyone has gifts and you have value and you know something that someone else needs to know. And so, I want to see people remove those barriers. I want to see those walls come down so that they can move freely. So they can move freely in the gifts that they're given. Um, I One of my favorite life, well, my life Bible verse is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside all these encumbrances, these things that so things that so easily entangle us. Picture a runner, you know, carrying all these heavy things and things that are tangling them up. They can't run. You know, let's get all this off. Let's get all this out of the way so that we can run with endurance the race that's marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have a hope. Um, there's good news. Uh, there's always hope. There's there's the journey's not over. As long as you're here on this earth, you're running a race. You're, you're in a lane. So let's get these things out of the way so you can be who you're designed to be. And that's the place you're going to have the most fulfillment. That's the place you're going to have the most reward. And others are going to be encouraged by you being who you're meant to be. And it's interesting that you've used this metaphor and, and, and the taking it from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this running a race element metaphor that you're using, yet you were talking earlier about the speedy society. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to, to see how, the, are they in conflict or do they work together? They do work together. They do work together. Um, a good runner knows their own pace. A good runner knows the speed. They a good runner, a professional runner, they know they know when to kick in and push, and they know when to pull back and rest. They know when to save the energy. They know when to give it everything they have. A good runner knows how to run their race, and they know how to not injure themselves for the next day of running. Right? They know how to do. They know the stretch. They are so focused on on their health and their body and what to eat what to drink how much sleep they get everything that goes in their body they're aware of because it all is impacting their race so 
that awareness of how am I designed? How am I eating? How, what, what, how am I drinking? What am I taking? What am I putting in my body? How much sleep am I getting? That's a huge one. We all function so much better rested. Our emotions are so much happier when we're rested. So, you know, that balance of the rest and the run, balance of the, the doing and the being and really being able to be present. A good runner is present in that moment. They're present in the run. They're not, they're not thinking about the start. I mean, they're just, they're just very much in the moment. What do I need to do? What do I feeling? How are my muscles? Um, they're very aware if they need a drink of water or if they take the energy, you know, whatever it is that they do for themselves. And I'm talking about these elite runners and long distance runners, because life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. It's the long distance. You've got to have the big game, the long game in mind. We've got to have that in mind in our in our self-care. We've got to have that in mind in our relationships, raising kids, even our businesses and ministries and things that we invest in. We've got to have this long game in mind. So that's the balance of when do I need the rest? When do I need to rebuild? I think I've got an injury here. I'm going to be better served stepping out, taking a timeout. Coach, I need to go to the bench, get, get the help, get the healing so that I can run well the next day, so I can run well down the road. Perfect. Thank you for, for making sure that we are living in this crazy society that we live in, but we still have our own focus and our own way of figuring things out. I love it. Dana, how could people get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, the best way to get me is on my website, uh, which is www.danagrindal.com. Uh, all the resources, contact email, all of those things are there. Perfect. Well, Dana, it has been an absolute pleasure hearing why you do what you do. And I am thrilled that we've been introduced because it is such a, a wonderful insight. So thank you. Do you have some final words for the audience, please? Yeah. I just want every one of you to know that you do have a why. You're not an accident. You're here on purpose. You have a gift. You have something to offer the world. So I encourage you to invest in that. If you need to make a space or time for healing so that you can recognize and walk in that, do that because you are worth the investment and the world needs to know what you have to offer. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.